The views and opinions expressed on my story, Living with Lupus Podcast, represents each person's individual experience. By listening to this podcast or reading our blog, you agree not to use this podcast or blog as medical advice to treat any medical condition in either yourself or others. As always, consult your own physician for any medical issues that you may be having. My Story Living with Lupus podcast is officially trademarked, all rights reserved. Thank you for joining me for another episode of My Story Living with Lupus Podcast. I'm your host, Susan Hendricks, and I'm so glad that you could join me on this Thursday, March the 25th, 2021. Today's episode is all about how lupus affects the eyes. Also, you'll hear the latest in healthcare news. So, you know what I want you to do. That's right. All the way from the United States to Obstina Carpos, Macedonia. Welcome. Get ready to grab your cup of coffee, your cup of tea, and to my listeners late at night. Now, you know I appreciate it. So, get ready to grab your favorite glass of wine and come on and join the conversation right here on my story living with lupus podcast ophthalmology associates pc doctors berman and dr zuckerbrod treating diseases of the eye and eye surgery. You can reach them at 313-341-3450. All right, and once again, Thank you for joining me for another episode of My Story Living with Lupus podcast on Thursday. Now, have you ever woke up and you see that you may have a couple of blood vessels broken in your eye? This question is for those who have lupus, or let me say any autoimmune disorder. And you go on through the day and your eye just itch, and it feels like you have a headache, but there's pressure over that eye where the blood vessel has burst. Well, we're getting ready. Well, I'm getting ready to discuss 
how lupus affects the eyes. We know that systemic lupus is a chronic autoimmune disease that can affect any part of the body, including the eyes. Lupus most often affects the heart, joints, skin, lungs, blood vessels, kidneys, and central nervous system, better known as CNS. Now, the clinical course is unpredictable and is characterized by periods of remissions and flares, which may be acute or chronic. The effects of lupus may have in and around the eyes include changes in the skin around the eyelids, dry eyes, inflammation of the white outer layer of the eyeball, blood vessels changes in the retina, and damage to nerves controlling eye movement and affecting vision. Now, involvement of the skin around the eyelids. This is most often related to the discoid lupus erythematosus, a form of cutaneous lupus. The skin lesion is well-defined, slightly raised, scaly, and missed form or atrophic. There are typically no symptoms, but occasional burning and itching may occur. Scarring may result in deformities along the edge of the eyelids. Now dry eyes, approximately 20% of people with lupus also have secondary Sjogren's syndrome. Now, we have talked about Sjogren's syndrome in previous episodes, but secondary Sjogren's syndrome is a condition in which the tear glands do not produce sufficient tears to lubricate and nourish the eyes. The other moisture-producing glands are similarly affected. Now, primary Sjogren's syndrome is a systemic disease that, like lupus, can affect many parts of the body. Typical symptoms are irritated, gritty, scratchy, or burning eyes, a feeling of something in the eyes, excess watering, or blurred vision. Now, advanced cases of dry eyes may result in damage to the front surface of the eye and impaired vision. The dry 
eye that is seen in lupus cannot be distinguished from other dry eye conditions. Scleritis. Now, scleritis is painful red eye condition. It's caused by inflammation in which the white scleral outer layer of the eye. Scleritis occurs in approximately 1% of people with lupus and may be the first sign of the disease. Now, I have been recently diagnosed with scleritis. You know, I asked you, you ever wake up and your eye is red, the sclera, the white outer portion of the eye is red, and it looks like you've been fighting with yourself in your sleep, or you have been in a fight? Well, that has happened to me, and I blew it off as that, oh, few blood vessels burst in my eyes, nothing to worry about. So I put warm to cold compresses on my eye. Woke up the next morning, my eye was not bloodshot, it was bloody. You know, bloody, it looked bloody. So I said, okay, let me uh, make an appointment with the eye specialist. I did. I went in on an emergency basis and was diagnosed with scleritis. That's why I asked the question. And the reason why I asked, you should know the signs. Uh, and you may not um, have the signs that I did, but I had a headache. Um, right over my right eye. It was pressure right over there. Felt like something was in my eye. My eye became very itchy. So I put the drops that were prescribed in by my um, eye specialist in my eyes thinking, okay, the pressure is up in my eyes. Let me put the drops in to see if it would subside. No, it didn't subside. That headache lingered and lingered. And I tried the warm compresses over my eyes to the cool. And lo and behold, when I woke up, it looked like I hadn't been in a fight or I was fighting myself in my sleep. But um, the next day when I woke up, my eye was bloody. The worst I have ever seen. No, it was not bloodshot. It was bloody. So that is why I asked. Now, continuing on with how lupus affects the eye, we are talking now about retinovascular lesions, blood vessels, changes in the retina. This is most common form of eye involvement in lupus. The occurrence in lupus can vary depending on the population studied. The lowest incidence reported is 3%. 
seeing in outpatient clinics, and the highest is 28% in those hospitalized for lupus-related complications. The presence of these lesions seem to correlate with active disease. Now, retinal blood vessels changes are due to lack of adequate blood supply to this delicate tissue and may cause decreased vision ranging from mild to severe. For individuals with severe retinal vascular disease, the prognosis for vision is poor. Retinal vein occlusions, which are blockages, and retinal artery occlusions have been reported. But these complications are rare and seem to be more related with CNS lupus. Now, neuro-ophthalmic involvement, which is basically nerve damage. Cranial nerve plasty can result in double vision, poor eye movement and alignment, poor pupil reflexes, and droopy eyelids. Lupus optic neuropathy occurs in 1% to 2% of people with lupus. Slow progressive vision loss also can result in more rapid loss of vision from lupus optic neuropathy. Damage to the visual nerve fibers in the brain may cause hallucinations and loss of peripheral vision and or central vision. Now, side effects of certain lupus medications. In addition, some of the medications used in the treatment of lupus may have ocular side effects, and particularly hydroxychloroquine, brand name of Plaquenil, can cause retinal toxicity over time, particularly at high dosage. Annual comprehensive eye exams are recommended by the American Optometric Association for people with lupus, especially for anyone taking Plaquenil. As a precaution, people treated with Plaquenil should get a baseline eye exam before or soon after starting the drug and visit an eye doctor ophthalmologist annually. Long-term Plaquenil users on high doses will need to monitor eye health regularly to prevent retinal toxicity from long-term use. Now, as you guys know, I was on uh, Plaquenil for quite some time and wound up with retinal 
toxicity. So I go to the ophthalmologist every three months. That's right. Every three months, I'm at my ophthalmologist. So get your eyes checked. It's very important. Never play games when it comes to your health. When we return, it's the latest in healthcare news. If you would like to appear on an episode of My Stories Living with Lupus, you can contact us at mystorylivingwithlupus at gmail.com. Also visit us on our Instagram page and also our website, My Story Living with Lupus. Now for the latest in healthcare news. A cardiologist coughs up two million for unnecessary procedures. Dr. Dinesh Shah allegedly billed for tests that were unnecessary or never done. That's right. Cardiologist Dinesh Shaw, MD, has paid the U.S. government $2 million to settle charges that he billed federal health care programs for diagnostic tests that weren't necessary or were never performed, according to the Department of Justice. Prosecutors allege that from 2006 through 2017, Shaw and his practice, Michigan Physicians Group, billed Medicare, Medicaid, and TRICARE for unnecessary testing, typically involving the ankle brachial index and the toe brachial index, both a measure of how well blood is flowing from the heart to the extremities. Now, can you imagine spending half of your life in school to become a physician? Now, some physicians are well paid. It all depends on where they practice and what the um, insurance base is. We know that your commercials and private insurances, you'll get more money. While your Medicaid, 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 and Medicare and TRICARE it's less, you'll get less. And here in Michigan, we know that it takes a tremendous long time to be paid by Medicaid if you have an inexperienced 
individual doing your billing in your office. That is a true fact. But most doctors make the bulk of their money from running tests. And I can't see personally, this is my personal opinion. I can't see spending half of my life getting an education, um, getting my degree to be caught bilking a system which is already hurting. But the government will state at times that Healthcare consumers, which are the patients, will use the healthcare system for in and everything, which in some cases are true, in other cases is a lie. But they fail to state um, and and get on physicians who built the system for money, such as Dr. Shaw. Now, you know, anytime you go to a doctor, you keep track of the test that's being ran on you. Now, if that doctor comes back and say, oh, we need to run this test again, And then after they run that test, come back and say, oh, here's another test we need to run now. You know, all physicians are not the same. Okay, let me get that straight. But you have some physicians who will milk the system and the patient's insurance for everything he or she can get now and in some cases you'll have a doctor oh I'm going to refer you out to see such and such doctor okay you referring me out to see this doctor the first question you should be asking as a healthcare consumer why do I need to be going to this physician I'm just not going to take your word for it if something is going on that is out of the realm of your care, just come on and say it. But you have some physicians who are ego tripping, who won't say, well, this is out of the realm of my care. And I think I need to refer you to this doctor to see what is going on. But we as healthcare consumers, if you are not savvy enough and when I, what I mean by that is wise enough to see what is going on. They could use your benefits right up on unnecessary testing. Now, I've sat up and told my doctors, uh-uh, you ran this test on me three months ago, so we don't need to run that again. If you didn't find it in there, You need to come up with another solution, but we're not going for this test again. So that's why I'm saying you have to be very savvy, knowledgeable, wise when 
you're seeing physicians because they will tell you and they'll make it look like, oh, this is really bad. We need to do this. And then after you do it, come back and say, oh, everything was fine. Don't put yourself through that. Now, getting back to Dr. Shaw, these tests were, were routinely performed on patients without first being ordered by a physician and without regard to whether they were medically necessary, according to the DOJ. The agency also focused on unnecessary nuclear stress tests, which involve radioactive contrast injections performed at the clinic, subjecting patients to unnecessary testing in order to fill one's pockets with taxpayer funds will not be tolerated, said acting U.S. Attorney Motion, Motion, in a statement. Such practices are particularly concerning because overuse of some tests can be harmful to the patients. The settlement is connected to one from 2018 in which William Beaumont Hospital located right here in Detroit, Michigan, in the suburb of Royal Oak, Michigan, paid $84.5 million to resolve allegations that it had improper relationships with eight referring physicians. Now, improper relationships could mean several things, but one comes to mind is kickbacks. Those relationships led to the submission of false claims to Medicare, Medicaid, and TRICARE from 2004 to 2012. That's one thing I like about the DOJ. They'll let you hang yourself. They'll let you go on and go on and go on until they build a solid proof case. You will be hanging yourself. And not only do the physicians get in trouble, but the individuals who are doing the billing for the physicians. Just like if it's an off-site um, billing service. That's why when I had my consulting, physician consulting and billing service, you know when, when a physician is um, committing fraud. You know that. It's an automatic because you can see, mm, this person had this test in. Why is this test being repeated again? And you, you start noticing little things. And then 
you let the doctor know, I know what you're doing. Take your stuff. I don't want your business. I'm not going to jail for you or nobody else. That's what you do. All right, Shaw was one of the eight physicians named in DOJ's 2018 case, but he, along with the two other private practice cardiologists named in the settlement, denied involvement at the time. Prosecutors stated that Beaumont doled out compensation to those doctors that was way above fair market value in order to secure their referrals of patients to the systems. That's called a kickback. The hospital also allegedly provided free or cheap office space, as well as employees like nurses to work for those doctors. Kickback, kickback, kickback. The schemes came to light with the filing of four whistleblower lawsuits. I'm so glad, but neither Shaw nor the other two private practice cardiologists were named in those suits, according to a 2018 story in Crane's Detroit Business. More than 21 physicians in total were named in those four lawsuits. DOJ stated Shaw's recent case originated in two other whistleblower lawsuits filed separately by two former employees of Michigan Physicians Group, Arlene Klink and Christina Mela. In addition to the fine, Shaw and his practice also entered into an integrity agreement with HHS, Office of Inspector General, which will provide some oversight of the company's billing practices for a three-year period. I bet you they'll tighten up on that billing now. The DOJ's press release noted that there's been no determination of liability in Shaw's case. Similarly, Beaumont was able to deny any wrongdoing in resolving its 2018 case. Beaumont has been embroiled in drama in which its physicians have been vocal about their lack of confidence in the corporate leadership. When it's about dollars, it makes sense to a profit corporation because they care less about the patient's well-being. The complaints have focused on a toxic culture and administrators' pursuit of profits 
over patients. The eight hospital health system was set to merge with Advocate Aurora Health last fall, but the deal fell through after physicians, lawmakers, and other stakeholders fiercely opposed the merger. Remember, it's always going to be profit over patient's care when you're dealing with any corporation such as these hospitals that are for profit. It's, it's a well-known fact. Profits over patient's care. Be your own best advocate for your health. That has been the latest in healthcare news.